0: I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Ladies and gentlemen, the wagon train is crossing the horizon. It is high noon on Wednesday, July 29th, 2020, the year of our Lord. Um, So I want to update a few things from yesterday because there have been new developments and things I forgot to say. The first thing I forgot to say is that one of the main reasons why I'm doing all of this is because I am convinced that perhaps our society has forgotten that the point of life is actually living it. Back when uh, it became clear that the lockdown was no longer intended to preserve hospital capacity and instead was just going to be used to control people for months on end after scaring everyone into believing that they were murderers for living their lives. I realized that if the pandemic was a war, as Donald Trump described it, it would be one that we were going to definitely lose. Uh, And I hope that we don't treat actual wars this way in the future, because if we do, our society has no purpose. The idea that a threat comes to our doorstep and our response should be huddling in the corners of our homes until the threat goes away, even though it doesn't go away, is the weakest thing I've ever heard. The whole point is to continue society. You don't fight a war if you're also prepared to give up your society at the end of it. You fight a war so that you don't have to give up your society. So instead, we chose the path of both errors. We chose to give up our society and not be able to solve the disease problem. And that's proven out pretty much everywhere. Uh, lockdowns haven't worked, societies have been destroyed, unemployment has gone through the roof, suicides, drug addiction, drug overdoses, alcohol addiction, domestic abuse, all of these have exploded. Uh, we have likely crippled the country for a generation now, and we did that to deal with a disease that can kill less than one person per 1000 people based on the latest information that is a terrible way for society to function. And it is not sustainable going into the future. The solution is quite obviously at this point, far more deadly and destructive than the virus ever could have been. And this was obvious from the beginning, which is why It was such a problem and why I have been so adamant in addressing it. Uh, So let's go on to the black and white photo challenge. The extremely challenging act of posting a selfie to support women somehow. We have created a society where we empower women to act narcissistically based on telling them that they need to act narcissistically to what feel good about themselves i'm not imagining that too many women felt empowered after posting selfies uh i mean at least no no more than usual perhaps that's way more empowering than I'm giving it credit for. Uh, I'm imagining that the most empowering aspect of it was the likes and additional follows that the meme was meant to garner. So yesterday, uh, everyone switched their focus to saying that their pictures were actually in service of raising awareness about Turkish femicide and uh, that may well be where the social media trend started that does not retroactively make your post about social justice in the world that would be like wearing a red ribbon around to raise self-awareness about the Washington Redskins changing their name to the Washington football team and then pretending that your ribbon was also about AIDS because someone pointed out that the red ribbon is historically attached to AIDS awareness. So I guess someone's going to have to explain to me how girls in Los Angeles posting selfies and forwarding a chain email to their friends helps to prevent Turkish femicide. I'm having a really, really hard time making the connection. But then again, I'm so dumb that I can't realize how posting black squares on Instagram cured police violence. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm the dummy. Uh, Let's get into the... Doctor Doctor Emmanuel, uh, whose video or whose uh, speech about hydroxychloroquine went viral, uh, her among the other frontline doctors. One of whom is an epidemiologist at Yale. The video was taken down from all major social media platforms, and any popular account that's reposting the video is. Summarily suspended by Twitter. And they're doing this mostly based on this one doctor who they've discredited by saying that she believes in alien DNA and demon semen and other crazy things. Um, But the fact is that she's a Nigerian American woman who has her own set of religious beliefs that don't seem in any noticeable way to conflict with her practice of medicine. Uh, There are quite a few scientists in the world and doctors in the world who have fundamentalist religious beliefs. Now, whether or not you understand their particular religious beliefs has nothing to do with whether or not they are a responsible and good doctor who is competently treating patients. Uh, And that is what you would actually need to disprove if you want to discredit this woman. Is she a doctor? Does she treat patients? Has she treated them with hydroxychloroquine? And have they all lived and recovered as she claims? That is the only relevant piece of information here. Okay, What she believes, her crazy religious beliefs, mean nothing about whether or not what she says about hydroxychloroquine is true. Now it's really funny to see people making fun of her on those grounds. um, Because many of those people are religious, or at least they purport to respect the religious beliefs of people in their closer communities. um, Christians, Jews, Muslims, Muslims, these people have crazy religious beliefs too. I don't know who's read the Bible or studied religion or talked to people who are religious, but religious people in America believe all sorts of crazy things like that. The world's 6,000 years old or that the son of God is going to float down on a magic cloud and, return to judge the living and the dead and then end the world. There are rabbis who perform oral suction on circumcision. And if you don't know what that is, don't look it up. You're not going to be happy with the results. The Bible says what things we should and should not wear. In terms of fabrics, it says that women should be stoned to death for not screaming loud enough while they're being raped because that would indicate that they probably liked it. Um, Do you respect doctors who believe in the fundamentals of those religions? Because if you do, then you don't have an argument against Dr. Emmanuel. Switching gears. So people have asked me what they think the most reliable news source is. And the truth is that there is no single reliable news source at this point. There are a bunch of outlets whose writing you can trust, whose opinions you can trust, Um, But it's even better to focus on particular writers at those outlets. What I believe is best overall, though, is to familiarize yourself with the Twitter platform if you haven't already, and then make sure to curate a good list of people you are following. People who are into the issues you are into, who talk competently about the issues you care about, who make it worth your trust in them, um, and find people who represent both sides of any given argument, really smart, trustworthy people who represent both sides. And you build out a Twitter follower list, um, or a list of people you are following, obviously, uh, that's the best way I know of to get a balanced view of what is really happening in the world. Um, A lot of them will link directly to articles that they are reading that they think are important. If you read those articles, then you can understand the source material a little better. That is the best way I've found to get a reasonable view of what's happening in the world. For instance, you can't turn to the mainstream news at all to get coverage of the riots in Portland because they deny that the riots are even happening. There was an entire hearing yesterday in the Congressional Judiciary Committee led by Jerry Nadler of New York. They had Attorney General Bill Barr testifying, and the Democrats spent their time making speeches about this or that that they thought proved Bill Barr and Donald Trump were the evil villains of everything, and they weren't really questioning Barr. They were basically giving soliloquies to score woke points and sound very emotionally connected to issues so that when the clips of them speaking were replayed on MSNBC, they would look like powerful defenders of the people. Almost every Democratic representative would ask a question, and then before letting Barr finish answering the question, they would shout that they were reclaiming their time, and they would refuse to let him answer so that they could continue their speeches. It was one of the most disgraceful things that I've ever seen anyone in government do, and it was happening over and over and over again. There are actually supercut videos of it. It's stunning. They have an opportunity to actually ask real questions of the attorney general of the United States, and instead, they use the time for political grandstanding. It was truly embarrassing. And when you watch something like that, and I did watch it, I think it was like four hours long, you understand which side actually cares about the issues they're pretending to care about. Republicans asked questions and let Barr answer. Democrats gave speeches and then spoke over Barr saying that they were reclaiming their time. Uh, Pramila Jayapal actually said to Bill Barr that she was losing her temper, this after three hours of testimony, and she was losing her temper based on the speech she was giving, claiming that Barr only cared about Black Lives Matter protesters and shutting them down, claiming that they weren't, in fact, rioting, even though it's quite obvious that they are and that they've been doing so for two straight months and that you can see it with your own eyes, but that he wouldn't uh, handle the armed white protesters in Michigan who had, according to her, made threats death threats to Michigan's governor Gretchen Whitmer. But of course she failed to mention that none of those armed protesters engaged in actual physical violence and none of them attacked federal officers and none of them were laying siege to a federal courthouse. So. There is no connection to Bill Barr's authority when it comes to protecting federal property in Portland. And the Michigan authorities took care of responding to those protests. So the federal government didn't have to. See, Portland should be defending the federal courthouse in its city on its own without the need for federal help. And had they done so, the federal officers wouldn't have to be there in the first place. And of course, that's the point. And that's Bill Barr's answer to that question that she subsequently cut off to make sure he couldn't actually make clear at the hearing. Again, that was utterly embarrassing. So later in the day, continuing on with the theme of Jerry Nadler and supposed secret police violence, a video came out showing an 18 year old who identifies as a male to female transgender person was snatched up off the street and thrown into a van. And Jerry Nadler, who's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Julian Castro, who made himself a failed presidential candidate in the Democratic primary and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who is the blithering idiot avatar of Democratic socialism, along with MSNBC's Chris Hayes, all took to Twitter to publicize this event as the authoritarian state crushing peaceful protesters underneath its Jack boots. Of course, it wasn't that it was just the NYPD rounding up a criminal who had uh, been taking out surveillance cameras in areas where they intended to commit crimes. So that is a totally legitimate arrest that any civilized society should see as justified. And did they correct their tweets? Not really. I mean, of course, they just go out into the world. They send out this nonsense. They provoke anger and distrust. And they're wrong the entire time. They're wrong. This happens so often. It is unbelievable that people tasked with public responsibility are so irresponsible in the execution of their jobs. And why are they this irresponsible? Because what they care about most is perpetuating their narrative and getting Donald Trump out of office. That is what all of this has always been about, okay? So on Friday, Donald Trump signed a series of executive orders meant to lower drug prices, prescription drug prices for Americans, which is something that both political parties have pretended to care about for a very long time. But they've done nothing about that, of course, because the pharma lobby is out there with buckets of money, making sure that their needs are seen to in legislation like the Affordable Care Act. So Trump signed these executive orders. Um, One of them was to target high insulin prices Uh, One of them was to allow states and pharmacies and wholesalers to import drugs at lower prices from Canada and other countries. And um, one was to prevent uh, kickbacks to middlemen who were pocketing uh, supposed discounts that were meant to be relayed to consumers. And all of those are good things. You know who thinks they're not good things? Pharma. They are claiming because it's important when you don't have an actual argument to create a victim class who you can claim as being oppressed by the decisions you don't like. So pharma says that the drugs from other countries are, are dangerous potentially, even though they're created in the same places and shipped from the same places. As the drugs we get and pay five or 10 or 20 or a 100 times as much for eliminating that from the market is nothing but a benefit to consumers and people in need of health care and low drug prices and the pharmaceutical companies are in an uproar over this saying that they can't believe Trump is doing this while the coronavirus pandemic is still active because of course they're trying to create a vaccine for everybody and this is just a distraction from their very important work as if somehow they don't have the funding or the motivation to cre- continue creating the vaccine again they're creating a victim class and this and in this case the victim class is everyone Everyone is a victim of the pharmaceutical companies losing money on prescription drug prices. How does that make any sense? Of course it doesn't, but who cares, right? I mean, Trump signed it, so it must be bad. It's funny because that is actually the second really relevant executive order that Trump has signed. Concerning healthcare recently, he signed another that would force providers and insurance companies to be transparent about their billing, to be transparent about what the actual price of the health services was. That is how market principles are restored in the healthcare market. There are few things that could be more helpful than that. For years, I have been focused on that as a potential fix for the price of health care in this country, okay? Because when consumers are paying like $9 for a Band-Aid, something is radically distorted. And that something is the middleman of the health insurance company being there in the first place. Because in a perfect world, people could just pay for their own health care as they need it, and then perhaps have an insurance plan to pay for catastrophic care in case something catastrophic happens to them. That is a reasonable solution. The system we have in place now is unreasonable and unsustainable, and it leads to people believing that the only cure is something as dumb as Medicare for all. Okay, we don't need sweeping, dumb cure-alls when we can address actual problems, which is what these executive orders are attempting to do. And of course, because it's Trump, no one cares. If this was Obama doing this stuff right now, people would look at him as a liberal hero. But of course, Obama didn't do these things, even though he had ample opportunity. This stuff could have been included in the Affordable Care Act. It wasn't. Why wasn't it? Well, because Obama has all sorts of commitments that Trump simply doesn't have, okay? There are benefits to the Trump presidency, and this is one of them. The fact that he doesn't give a shit about the pharma lobby is nothing but good for American consumers. So yesterday in the mail, I received... A little notice from the state of California about mail-in voting um, from the uh, city's registrar. And the notice is for the purpose of determining whether or not I am still at my current address. There's a little perforated card at the top that you're meant to return if you have moved. It says, is this still your address? If yes, no action is needed. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about statewide mail-in balloting for voting and they send these notices out to everyone and the only registrations that are updated occur when someone takes the time to say, no, this is no longer my address and return their card. All of the notices that arrive in people's mailboxes addressed to people who no longer live at that address or no longer live, period, will go unreturned, which means that a ballot will then arrive to the same mailbox with the same name on it. That's terrible. The idea that this isn't setting the nation up for potential voter fraud is unbelievable. We are three months, just barely over three months, away from the presidential election, which of course everyone's saying is the most important election ever. That's what they say about every election. Maybe this one is. But there is no reason to still be demanding nationwide mail-in voting three months ahead of an election for states that have never implemented a system like that. And now these mail-in ballots are also meant to be counted among the vote as long as they are postmarked by the date of the election, which means that they could trickle in for days or potentially weeks after the election before they are counted. So if the entire nation did this and the election was close, we would be going weeks with the country divided over who actually won the election. There is no reason to introduce this sort of doubt into the system at this late stage, especially on the back of coronavirus. And then especially when in the bar hearing yesterday, members were discussing this as a racist policy because black Americans were more likely to die from coronavirus than white Americans. So now the the mail-in voting is reconceived as an anti-racist policy, which means if you disagree with the mail-in voting, now you're racist. You're not concerned about preventing election fraud. You're not concerned about the integrity of a presidential election in America. No, you're racist. That is utterly insane. The potential for tampering with this system is there to deny that it's there is absurd. If people need to be protected, if their health needs to be protected, the only system that needs to be implemented is one that's already implemented in many states, maybe even most states, maybe even all states. I should have looked it up, but I didn't. So you can If you don't believe me, all they have to do is submit a request for a mail-in ballot. That's it. You can do this in all sorts of places. All it requires is you being proactive saying, I don't want to appear at a polling place because I'm worried about my health. So please give me a mail-in ballot that suffices for everyone in that situation. And if people can't figure that out, then they obviously don't have the wherewithal to be voting in the first place. Okay. If that sounds harsh, I'm sorry. Everyone has the right to vote. Okay. Requesting a mail-in ballot is not a hurdle too high for people to cross. And if, In the public conversation, we pretend that it is. We are basically just saying that there is this mass of citizens in our country who are too incompetent to request a mail-in ballot. I don't think that's true. Now, they're saying that all the signatures on these ballots will be verified. Um, California has 40 million people. I'm guessing somewhere around half of those or more, well, probably more, are eligible to vote. Do you imagine that California is verifying that many signatures? I'm going to take a pass on that. Is it possible? Sure, it's possible. Is it likely? I don't know. Use common sense. But regardless of where you come down on this issue, there's no point in pretending that it's about coronavirus safety or racism. It's about election integrity and people are totally within their rights and their civic responsibility to raise those concerns. All right. I'm so sick of everything being dismissed as conspiracy theories, right? Dr. Emanuel has, crazy religious views. So she's a conspiracy theorist. So an entire video full of different doctors talking about how the general coronavirus narrative is wrong. Now they're all invalidated. It doesn't matter how long they went to school. It doesn't matter how long they've been practicing medicine. It doesn't matter what their results are with their patients. It only matters whether or not you can say something about them that invalidates their point of view to other people like yourself, okay? That is not a good way to interact with the world. If you are gonna go and try to determine people's craziest beliefs and then invalidate all their other beliefs based on those crazy beliefs, you're gonna invalidate a hell of a lot of people. You're certainly gonna invalidate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, how many other heroes of yours would you invalidate this way? And then why isn't it an invalidating characteristic of Joe Biden that he can't really speak anymore or that he was accused of sexual assault by a former staffer? or that he used racist language on the Senate floor. Like none of these things invalidate Joe Biden. Even when he says that if you don't vote for him you ain't black, none of those things invalidate Joe Joe Biden, of course. None of those things are crazy. It's only crazy if you have strange religious beliefs. And as far as I know, don't don't a lot of Christians believe in Satan? Is that different than a demon? Is being possessed by Satan, you know, the Vatican still performs exorcisms, by the way. Is being possessed by Satan substantially different than believing that demons can have sex with you? It's virtually the same thing, right? I mean, I think they're both crazy. Again, I'm an atheist. I don't give a shit about any of these beliefs. I think they're all dumb. All right. But I respect people's. Ability to maintain these beliefs and also not be crazy about other stuff. You know, how you perceive your place in the world is entirely separate from the things that you are able to do and accomplish functionally using a different part of your brain. And one doesn't preclude the other. But everybody gets called conspiracy theorists, especially if you bring up anything about QAnon or Jeffrey Epstein or Ghislaine Maxwell. It doesn't matter that Epstein was very clearly murdered in his prison cell. It doesn't matter that Ghislaine Maxwell may well have video of some of the world's most powerful people doing awful things. It doesn't matter that some of those same powerful people in the world flew on Jeffrey Epstein's airplane. And of course, why would it? He's only a notorious pedophile and sex trafficker, right? So that, that is all, that's all a conspiracy. That's for QAnon people, those crazy, violent right-wing nuts. Except QAnon isn't violent and it's not right-wing. It may be fucking nutty. It's also like the most interesting story in the world, uh, maybe of all time, but yeah, man, there's some nutty shit there. Okay. They believe Ellen DeGeneres and Oprah Winfrey and Tom Hanks are all pedophiles. Now, is it possible that they are? Yeah, it's possible that fucking anyone is Roman Polanski had sex with a 13 year old and And has been living overseas since, and Hollywood stars still honor him and work with him. Is it impossible to believe that these people are capable of some heinous shit? Of course, it's possible. So, discrediting everything as a conspiracy theorist only sets you up to be interpreting the world in the wrong way, all right? There is some real shit going on out there, all right? A judge in New Jersey was just targeted a couple weeks ago. Her son answered the door and got a bullet in his head. Her husband went to find out what's wrong and got shot as well. The judge remained safe. The judge had just been assigned a case dealing with Jeffrey Epstein and Deutsche Bank. The crime was pinned on a man who was portrayed as a men's rights advocate and misogynist who had had a case before this judge five years ago. Now, the guy was found dead, apparently from a self-inflicted gunshot wound two hours away from where the, the murder of the judge's son and the shooting of her husband took place. So we are meant to believe that this violent misogynist was still so angry about a case from five years ago that he went to target this judge and after killing her son and debilitating her husband, turned around and left without finishing the job he quite clearly would have intended to do and then drove two hours into the countryside to a campground where he shot himself. That story is accepted as real and true and likely because, of course, we've already accepted the theoretic idea That this is what misogynists do. But the idea that it had anything to do with Jeffrey Epstein is out of bounds, even though the case was assigned to her three days earlier and then this happened. So some crazy shit happens in the world. And if you're going to uh, invalidate everyone's opinion because you think that they are open to a crazy thing being true. I think at this point, you're the dumb one. All right. If you're not open to these ideas, knowing all the crazy shit that's happening in the world, seeing it happen in front of you every day, every day, there's new shit that cannot be explained by the central narrative. And then that stuff is rejected out of hand based on who's saying it or however, or by whatever means We can invalidate what they're saying, usually an ad hominem attack on who they are, not on the substance of what they're saying. And I feel like we have to be past that at this point, you know, and there's a lot of misunderstanding about who these conspiracy, who these conspiracist communities online actually are. Some of these people are very, very intelligent people who are utterly obsessed with this stuff and spend all day trying to get to the bottom of these various rabbit holes. Now, 9 out of 10 might lead you to completely useless, made-up nonsense. But the other 1 out of 10 might well be legitimate. And the problem is because so many irresponsible people in that community are putting out so many irresponsible theories, it becomes really easy to dismiss all the theories. But every theory needs to be looked at and judged in and of itself, whether or not it is valid or not, whether or not the facts substantiate its validity or, or not. All right. So again, I am not trying to promote any of these conspiracy theories. I'm not trying to say, whoa, man, you got to understand this shit is real. Not doing any of that. All right. I'm just saying that we need to stop using the quote unquote conspiracy theory or the quote-unquote right-wing status of a claim to invalidate it. It's not good enough. It is not good enough anymore. Not when you can see your institutions failing around you and constantly lying to you, okay? And so I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I will see you or speak to you tomorrow. Same reasonable time. Same reasonable podcast channel and everyone should listen to the band hopes fall. That's all I have to say. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm your moderator. If you have feedback, you can email. Hey moderator at I'm your or use the hashtag.